You're listening to Leadership on the Ground, Season 4, The Tensions of Leadership. A tension is a gentle pull, a stretch that causes a strain, or an emotional trigger that can cause a positive or negative reaction. When you are in a leadership role, you are confronted with tensions constantly. It's what you do at these critical moments that matters most. In this series, we learn how to identify and acknowledge these tensions, how to appropriately respond to them with our next move, and how to skillfully navigate through them when leading ourselves, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. This series is made possible by the international best-selling book, Leadership Rigor, your guide for achieving breakthrough performance in productivity. And now, here are your hosts, Todd Schnick and Erica Pietler. Good morning and welcome back to our special edition series, Leadership on the Ground, Season 4, The Tensions of Leadership. And as always, I'm joined by my friend and colleague, Erica Pietler. Good morning, Erica, my friend. Good to be with you as always. Good morning, Todd. I'm looking forward to this episode, episode four, the tension in leading teams and being both a practitioner and philosopher, part one, recalibrating yourself as a leader. Boy, this is going to be a fun conversation. Lots of tensions to talk about here. Before we go there, however, Erica, remind our audience what is meant by the tensions of leadership. Yeah, this is really going to be, I think, an exciting season for us because we've been engaging in this ongoing dialogue regarding leadership being a skilled profession. So it requires conscious discipline. It requires practice. And it's all in this pursuit of performance and productivity. So in season one, we really laid down some skills about how do you become a consciously competent leader? What do you need to do? How do you do it? And why do you do it? And then we advanced in seasons two and three, and we started to talk about practices of leadership. How do you practice in real time? How do you establish rhythm for working at the speed of business and putting some macro structures in place? In season four, Todd, we're going to change it up again, and we're going to look at these tensions that leaders face as they progress in advancing their leadership practice. And these tensions are stresses, they're pulls, they're triggers, and they're things that leaders must raise wrestle with and resolve, or else they're going to struggle, they're going to get stuck, and they're going to stagnate themselves and their businesses. So the stakes are really high in season four. All right. So gosh, thinking about, now we're talking about leading teams, which is a whole different conversation. But in terms of our discussion around recalibrating yourself, this is still you on you, isn't it not? Yeah, it's still you on you. You know, these tensions that we're going to talk about really start with the team leader But we start to address how your choices and your decisions here are going to affect the team. And that's really the the transition. Well, and the other transition you have to make here is before when you were just working and leading yourself, you were just delivering, you were serving the organization, but now you're developing. I mean, so this is a big, I mean, another big stretch, another transition is is moving from delivery to developing. Talk about that a bit. This is a big, big shift that we really need to take a moment to just make sure everyone is uh, on the same page with us. You become a team leader and the game changes dramatically. You're absolutely right. Before you were that practitioner, you were that individual contributor, you were delivering work. Now you're a team leader and you automatically have three jobs, three jobs. One is you have to still deliver work, but now you have to deliver it through other people, which is no insignificant shift, right? So we'll talk about altitude and what that means as well as some other uh, other challenges. But delivering the work through others is attention in and of itself. 
Now you add on these developmental pieces, which is one, I got to develop the individuals that are working for me. And two, I have a team and they have an entity and a dynamic in and of themselves. I got to develop them as a cohesive unit. It's a completely different set of tensions. Well, how many stories have we heard in observing business all these years of someone who is a very successful sales rep and they make all kinds of record sales, but then because of that, they get promoted to be the sales manager and then they flop. This is what you're talking about. This is why that happens, right? The quintessential example that everybody gives, which I laugh because, you know, it's amazing, right? We take that most productive individual contributor in a great role and we put them in a role where they try to still do that and they compress everybody else around them. So we put a controlling, you know, individual contributor in a role. It brings everybody down. Honestly, and and interestingly, you know, corporate America, I think, has gotten much more sophisticated in this world. And you've probably seen this in, in your own travels. You know, we finally get that it's a completely different set of skills to lead others as it is to get work done and lead ourselves. And I think, you know, that's where we're less prepared to really understand all the tensions here because it's a it's a reasonably new thing that, you know, you might not be the superstar individual contributor, and yet you could be this fantastic leader of other people because it's that EQ that's more important than the IQ. It's a real head game. It's really a crazy shift. And... Again, I, I want to keep going back to this idea of that this leadership is a skilled profession. These are, these are things that you can fix. These are things that you can work on because and we're going to go through these now. There's a bunch of tensions here. And, and then again, it goes back to our conversation around choice. There's a choice you can make when thinking about this. I mean, these tensions that you're going to face, I mean, uh, they're simple. They're not easy, but <laughs> but the key now is you're now focused on, on the talent, your team, not just yourself. You're still leading yourself. We can't forget that. But this is about leading a team now. Exactly, exactly. And I think, you know, what what I tried to do in Leadership Rigor and, and hopefully, you know, in our podcast, I think our listeners are getting the gist of this. You know, we're trying to put our blinker on ahead of time and give people sort of that heads up of, as you're moving through leading yourself to now leading teams, you know, we'll hear some concepts that are the same, but they just have to be executed slightly differently and they have a different level of consequence to them. So, you know, as we go through these, it's just really important to realize that as a team leader, this movement from meology, it's all about me, to weology, it's all about us together. That's the important shift. Same language, same issues but different consequences and, and different impacts. But us together is the, is the key there. That's that what you have to case. remember. So yeah. let's get into some of these tensions. You mentioned altitude, this going from do, manage, lead to manage and lead. Walk us through that. Yeah, so this is a first, uh, you know, a game changer because I want to do the work, right? I'm the practitioner and I can do it fast and I can do it easy and I know how it's done. That's the tension now. The tension is, can I let go and maybe let somebody else do it differently? Maybe do it at a different pace. I could do it in two minutes. It may take them 20 can I make that tension resolve itself by giving them the space and the coaching to help them get ready to do it over time? Or am I going to take that away from them, try to do it myself and do it faster and hold them in abeyance, so to speak, and deny them the ability to advance? That's a choice you got to make first and foremost, that you're going to invest in managing and leading and keep your fingerprints off of everything. Well, in thinking about this, uh, in this role now of leading this team, you know, have power. Oh. You, in fact, you have position power. Huge. The bad news is a lot of people use it. <laughs> that is the bad news. That is the bad news. You know, and this one kind of sneaks up on you because I think that people are smart enough today to say, hey, listen, you know, I, I shouldn't be seeking power because it's not really attractive. But the pressure that you have when you do have power and you got to get that work done, you know, you kind of want it done perfectly. You feel like the team is a reflection on you and you get all uptight now and think, 
oh my God, but if my people don't deliver perfectly the way that I delivered, like, will that be a bad reflection on me? It won't be because the leaders above you recognize that you're developing and you're building a team. So they're going to give you a little bit more leeway. So leaning into your position power to make things happen the way that you want is not really the direction we want people to go in. If you have to use your position power, you know that you've lost the game. What we want you to do is we want you to be able to use your personal power to engage and influence and get people to engage with the work in a positive and productive way. Am I understanding this correctly that when you're using your position power, you are being confrontational? Because what I think Eric Kapitler would tell you to do is be carefrontational. Yeah. You know, when you use your position power, you're using your authority and you're pretty much telling people, this is kind of how I want it done. So that feels a little confrontational. Um, in carefrontational, you invite people to consider alternatives, you challenge them and you question and you coach them, which is more of that personal power approach. Yeah, Absolutely. Yeah. Well, that's a word I'm going to steal. So through doing your work and delivering for the organization, you're going to you're going to approach obstacles. You're going to have problems. You're going to have challenges. Now the tension is, are you going to address those or are you going to avoid them? Yeah. Well, and this is really key because this is about choice as well as sequencing in terms of what you can do here as a leader. One of the things, if, if you're my new team leader that I'm kind of checking you out on is, are you going to really deal with the hard issues or are you going to kind of, you know, sweep them under the carpet? And you know, this is the team leader version of crossing the knowing doing gap. Mm -hmm. You know, these issues exist here. Are you going to address them? And people will start to really get a read on you. Are you an agent of change? Are you going to advocate for the status quo? Or are you going to really uh, advocate rather for change? Are you going to just protect the status quo? You know, those two kind of go together. And while I never like a team leader to step into a role and make dramatic changes initially, I always like them to listen and kind of observe before they do that. But as you start seeing your entry points, as you start seeing your opportunities, you know, advocate for the change, you know, address the issues. That's why you're in the role and having those conversations, that's relieving the tension that probably exists between those people that are interfering with them having healthy relationships and being able to really communicate better. Mm -hmm. All right. Erica and I will return after this short break. We'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by the new international bestselling book, Leadership Rigor. This groundbreaking book will turn everything you think you know about leadership upside down. Leadership Rigor explores how to achieve breakthrough performance and productivity through leading yourself, leading teams, and leading at the organizational level. Author Erica Piedler outlines for her readers how to become change-ready leaders. Change-ready leaders are capable of embracing challenges with agility and optimism because they have the tools, models, and language to assess, structure, and facilitate solutions. Leadership is a skill that can be learned and practiced. Take the rigor challenge and ask yourself, do you want to lead mindfully and skillfully? Or do you want to subject your teams and organizations to your unstructured thoughts and approaches? The choice is yours. Will you rigor it? You can purchase Leadership Rigor on Amazon or by visiting ericpetler.com. All right, Tachnik, back with Erica Petler. So continuing on with all these tensions about recalibrating yourself to lead a team, I guess another big tension is this idea of, will you provide answers or questions? Yeah, so this is going to be 
how are you going to decide to show up as that team leader and developer of talent? And, you know, we talked about situational leadership in one of the earlier episodes, which is, you know, I have to assess the competency and the confidence of my team members, but I really want to make sure that I coach them at the right level. So if they're new, I may have to direct them. I may have to give them some answers. I may have to show them around, you know, the track once or twice. But I want to quickly move into a coaching philosophy with my uh, individuals as quickly as possible. And I want to ask them questions. I want to have diagnostics on where are they getting stuck because that's going to accelerate their standalone capability and capacity. So the tension of them being dependent on me or independent from me is going to depend on how I move from giving them answers to providing them with questions to establish more of their independence and individuality. Well, to do that, you have to empower them, right? I mean, because another tension here is I, I want to empower my team or I'm going to control my team, do as I say. This is another big issue for recalibrating yourself. You know, you have a way of doing things. It's worked for you. It worked so well that you got promoted. So you think it's the only way to do things, right? But other people have different styles and different ways of doing things. So what you want to do is you want to make sure that people understand the what you are asking and let them have some freedom on how they do it. And if they need to ask you questions and they need to get additional input, you know, let it come at their discretion. Don't over-engineer it or over-control it. That recalibrating of yourself, I can also describe as it's our job to create space so that people can grow into the people that they can be. And we need to keep them safe but they need to have their own style and their way of expressing things. So empowering people to do things differently, we shouldn't be afraid of that. Um, when we're controlling and needing to get our fingerprints on everything, that's probably when we're a bit out of balance. Well, and hearing you walk through that, and boy, there's some scenarios that I'm recalling from, <laughs> from my career and observing others, uh, countless, unfortunately. But this is where emotional intelligence becomes, I think, so critical, right? Because I think we believe IQ is more important, but it's really not here. It's, you're so right with that. Um, you know, with the team leader role is really now being able to let go of being smart in terms of intellect and being smart in terms of the emotional intelligence side. Your self-awareness that, you know, you create space, your self-management that you don't answer every question, social awareness, trying to read the room and seeing where your people may be uncomfortable or maybe a little bit off balance. Your ability to work with your emotional intelligence and resolve those tensions, that's really key for your team getting to a higher level of performance. And if you still have to be the smartest person in the room, you probably are not the right team leader. The right. smartest person in the room actually has the smartest people working for them. Well, therein lies uh, kind of the next thing we want to talk about is this idea of, are you the leader of this team or are you just a part of this team? That's a question I think a lot of leaders struggle with. And that's a big tension, obviously. That's the answer. It is. It is a big tension. And, you know, to me, the biggest aspect of this is remember what your role is. Your role is to develop your team, not protect your team. You know, a lot of people will say, hey, these are my peeps. You know, I got to look out for my peeps. I got to look out for my people. And they try to protect them. And, and I'm, really, I'm really not in favor of that philosophy. I don't want to protect my team. I mean, if my team needs to face some tension and some stress and they need to have some peer-to-peer -peer accountability or someone needs to, you know, challenge them in a carefrontational or a productive conflict way, I want them to feel that. I don't want to protect them from that. What I want to do is I want to equip them with skills to be able to deal with that and handle them. That's my job. So my job is to always maintain this level of objectivity that my people are prepared 
to do what they need to do, but I don't want to protect them from what they need to do. So if I become a part of the team, I might lose some of that objectivity and become one of the girls, so to speak, you know, sometimes. And like now we're all just, you know, our own coffee clutch. I feel like that could potentially risk the leader's role in developing the team as fully as they need to. And then later down the road, also, let's say you have the uh, challenge of having to make a call on a talent. Maybe one of your team members isn't quite up to the task that they're being asked to deliver, and you may have to make a tough move. If you've become a part of the team and your friendships have become too affiliative and you've lost your objectivity, that's going to be personally hard for you to do, and you may make a bad decision there. And that can have a consequence in terms of how you're viewed by the organization and your ability to be objective with your talent. Mm-hmm. And thinking back to what we've talked about so far, I mean, that's how you empower people and that's how you enable them to address issues as opposed to avoiding them. If you're protecting them, you're coaching them, teaching them how to avoid issues, right? Exactly. And part of what also strengthens people's ability to address those issues and be empowered is, you know, how do we make decisions, right? As a team leader, I got to be really clear and careful about not making every decision. You know, not having the accountability of the A, you know, we talked about that racy tool and giving away the A's. Great team leaders give the A's to their direct reports and they take a consultative or an informed role, but they don't have to make every decision. That builds confidence and empowerment. And it also um, eliminates the tension of the potential for that leader to be too controlling. Mm -hmm. And I think that also feeds into this idea of trust too, right? Trust is a big deal. You know, are you going to give trust or are you going to earn trust? Really critical question. I do workshops and I always ask people, are you a giver or an earner of trust? It tends to be 50-50 in the room. And I'm always surprised by that. But I appreciate the honesty because the fundamental truth is a lot of people want people to earn trust. They won't give trust unless they see that people are capable. They've proved themselves. To me, great leaders give trust. And you know what? They're going to get screwed every once in a while because someone is going to make a mistake and you're going to have to give trust again. Hopefully it's not the same mistake. But if I have to earn my trust with you, Todd, when do I know I've earned it? And what if I make a mistake? Do I lose it and I have to earn it again? You know, we have to be givers of trust and not hold people hostage to never knowing where they stand with us. People perform best when we create safe environments. That's what we have to do. Boy, that's a tension that I think a lot of new leaders really struggle with this idea of, all right, because it's just, isn't that where our culture also kind of just dictates that you have to earn it? It could be. I mean, it could be a very, very earning type of culture. I mean, I think in small to mid-sized companies, the owner has established the way of doing things and we all kind of serve that master. We may have in a, in a larger enterprise, a corporate leader who is dictating the way that things are done and trust is based on how you align to that. Those are not typically empowering environments where high performers are going to stay. So I think you have a risk there that you'll get compliance as opposed to Mm, creativity, right? Yeah. But I'm talking about also from being raised by your family, from your educational, I think it's it's a culture of earning trust, right? Uh, That's a big tension to break through. It's hard for people. It is a big tension to break through. And, you know, a lot of parents, obviously, you know, we've all gone through that where we've had to earn their trust. And then when we break their trust, we have to re-earn it. And, you know, here's the thing. The best leaders, the best parents know that we got to create a safe environment and we got to let people run. And hopefully we talk about, so what happened when things went wrong and we get people on the right track through their own confidence and their own empowerment as opposed to through our mandates. Yeah, you're going to skin your knee every now and then, but that's okay. It is okay. And the whole point here is you ought to be encouraged to do that because that's how we learn. Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Okay, wrapping up here close. Any other uh, tensions we ought to be aware of here? You know, the only one that I just want to make sure that we put out there in this particular episode is, will you as a team leader resolve the tension of clarity and closure? How many times do you go to a meeting? You're not really sure what we talked about. You're not really sure what to do, right? And then we come back, we have the exact same meeting over and over again, right? And that <laughs> tension of that continuous loop drives everybody crazy. So the tension That's why of- why we hate meetings. Exactly. For that reason alone, almost. Will that team leader have clarity and closure? And, you know, back to MBTI, this is about that judger and that perceiver. Mm-hmm. You know, if we happen to work for a perceiver who's like, hey, we had a great conversation. Let's come back, you know, a week from now and have another great conversation. That tension- really goes to the heart of lack of performance and productivity. So team leaders, when you're recalibrating yourself, make sure that you're driving for clarity and closure. All right. That's all the time we have for today, Erica. Should anyone have any questions, how can they find you and learn more? Yes, you can find me and learn more through email, erica at ericapetler.com. You can follow me on my Twitter handle, at Erica Peetler. Would love to hear from you. All right. Thank you for that, Erica. So join us next week for episode five, the tension in leading teams and being both a practitioner and philosopher part two, where we will focus on how to shift from meology to weology. So until then, on behalf of myself and my co-host, Erica Peetler, thank you for listening and we'll see you next week on Leadership on the Ground season four. 